So good morning again, everybody. Uh, if you would, go ahead and turn to um, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and we're going we're gonna to start there in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 this morning. And um, <clears throat> we, do appreciate, we do appreciate the mothers, and uh, obviously wish that all of them that were here were here, but that's okay. Um, that just means we get to hang on to them or deliver them, one of the two. So um, we do greatly appreciate Appreciate you all. Um, as we're going through, as we're going through this this series dealing with our ambassadorship, uh, some of the things that we've already talked about is uh, based off of the stuff we're doing in the Sunday school, right? And so then we've been talking about how we're made up and how the makeup of of our human body and, and soul and spirit and all that, how that works together. Not just, not just together with themselves, but how is it that God's word works with those? So that's, that's one of the things that we've been going through. And part of the stuff we've been dealing with is um, our ambassadorship. One of the things we talked about is we have a twofold ministry. One is warning every man and the other is teaching every man. Uh, sometimes we, we think about, well, we need to warn unsaved folks about what their future holds but every once in a while you we may need to warn ourselves as well or one another and so we'll talk about those things a little bit more as we go along and so then last week we started taking a look at um, those that oppose themselves now when we look here and we'll just we'll just start off with this real quick first corinthians chapter 2 we'll start here in verse 14 says, But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ." I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able. For ye are yet carnal, for whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? Father, we thank you for the opportunity that we have. We thank you that we, we thank you for the life that we have in Christ Jesus. And as we take a look at this information, may we, may we find solace in the fact that even when we mess up, there is a possible way to straighten out our our lives that we uh, through patience come from the scriptures have hope and that we can allow that to produce in us exactly what you designed it to produce and it's all for your honor and glory and it's in christ's name we pray amen now last week we talked about i'm already out of room we talked about in that passage right there you've got four types of people right you've got the natural man what's the man what's the natural man do receives not can't understand what god's actually doing Second of all, you've got, he brings up this issue of the spiritual, right? But then he also brings up the issue of carnal, and he also brings up the issue of a babe in Christ. Now, we also looked the last time um, in Thessalonians, you've got some issues with the same types of issues, unruly, feeble-minded, and things like that, and we talked about that a little bit more last week. So what I want us to be able to do is, is where we left off the last time is there's four main issues, five main issues really, that we want to make sure that we're on the right track moving forward. Now, just to remind ourselves, go over to First, first John chapter 2. First John chapter 2, and let's just remind ourselves of where we've 
come from and uh, to, where, to where we can actually move forward with this. Um, we've got unruly folks, we've got weak folks, we've got strong folks, we've got feeble-minded, and those each kind of match up. And so then what I want us to remind ourselves is, is this. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, we'll start here at verse 15. It says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Now, we'll pause there for just a second. We know and understand where we are in the context of 1 John, who 1 John is written to. It's not written to you and I, but there are some things in 1 John chapter 2, verse 16 that we can learn from. Now, we know and understand that the folks that he's talking to here, there's, there's a series of tests that, that the Holy Spirit writes down through John, and this is actually the test number four. Uh, for the folks here to be able to understand who is a saved person who's not during the tribulation period, all right? So we know and understand the context, dispensationally speaking, but there's also something here in the verse 16 that goes all the way back to the garden. Notice in verse 16, it says, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. So how is it that we know that the world works? world works in three ways, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. Everything that you come across in your life is going to fall in one of those three categories. And the quicker that we can recognize which category that's coming from, the easier it is that we're going to be able to acknowledge that issue and fix that issue with the renewing of our mind, like we talked about in the last section. But what I want us to be able to think about and go through and take a look at these things is there's that main issue that goes all the way back to Adam and Eve. Now we've talked about that a little bit, but I want to make sure that we see these things and put this stuff into perspective. Um, when we look at this, notice we've got what? This is how the world works. When you look at Ephesians chapter 2 and talks about the course of this world, this is the course of the world. This is how you're taught as an unsaved natural person. This is how you're taught. You're taught lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. Everything falls in that. Now, real quick, let's go back to Eve. Um, go back to Genesis. We get Genesis chapter 2 and Genesis chapter 3. They're right next to each other, so we shouldn't have any problems there. And just to remind ourselves of what's going on in this context. We'll start here in, in Genesis chapter 2. <coughs> Genesis chapter 2. Let's, look, let's start off in verse 7. It says, And the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground, that's the body, breathed breath into his nostrils, the breath of life, that's the spirit, and man became a living soul. Now, we've spent time talking about those three issues from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and we see the same thing show up here, but it starts off dust of the ground, then you've got the breath of life, the spirit, then you've got man becoming a living soul. As we go down through here, drop down to verse uh, 15. Verse 15. <clears throat> and the Lord God took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. Now, again, we've talked about that issue of here's what you're supposed to do is to do what? Dress it and keep it. You don't have to do anything else. Just maintain. Really, it's all about rest, but that's not what they ended up doing. Verse 16, and the Lord God commanded the man saying, 
What's that word right there? Saying. This is God speaking to man. He says some words. The only way that God's dealing with Adam at this particular point is by what? Here's some words. And he says some stuff to him. Notice. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. Now what comes after that word saying is what? The word of God. It's not written down until later on that we have, we have access to know the, the, the conversation that took place between God and Adam is written down here for you and I. The only way that we would know that this conversation ever took place is because it's written down. Did Adam write this down? No. God spoke directly to him, and he said what? Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. From the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. And the Lord God said, again, it's the issue of his words. He's speaking. It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him and help meet for him. Now, what's interesting about that is, is a lot of people, they'll they'll consider their wives their help meet. Well, that's not what that is. It's a help. That is meet which means that she matches perfectly what you need. A help that matches you in every aspect of the life that you have. So you're talking about Mother's Day. That's what that is. A mother to the, to the, to the, to the husband is meat. And that's, that, that means what? She is exactly what he needs to do what? To help him. So he gives to Adam a help meet for him, qualified for him, to match him. And so then the issue is, is what he does, this is how closely it is to it. And out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all the cattle and the fowls of the fowl of the air to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found in help meat for him. And Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought unto her, brought her unto unto the man. How closely. Is she meet for him? She came from him. And the act of marriage is putting those two things back together. That's really what's taking place. You know, we've talked about in the last last conference, we were dealing with some things. There's four things that God does in the first 11 chapters of of the scriptures. First is free will, volition. The basis of, of, of your human life, the very first thing that God sets up and says, this is what it's going to be, is you have free will. And it's not just you get to go do everything, but with free will, with volition, with a choice comes responsibilities. Every single, everything that we do, every thought that we have, every action that we take, there is something that comes based off of that. And the responsibility for the actions that we take and the consequences of those actions, that's what's given at the very beginning. Second thing that God does is he institutes marriage, putting back together this one, this one 
man that he created. He took out the woman and putting it back together is marriage. Perpetuation of that is family. That's the third foundation that God sets up. Those three things should have been okay by themselves. But what happens is after the fall, man does some things and God says, now I'm going to institute human government, which really has to do with nationalism. And the purpose of nationalism is to maintain those other three things to give them the opportunity to do exactly what they're supposed to do. Well, what's come about is what? I was watching this video the other day, and it was, a, it was an older couple. I, I don't remember what, what country they're from, but they were talking to an older couple, and they said one out of every two marriages end in divorce. And the guy said, that's only in America because they make it so easy to split up. He's like, every time somebody gets mad at somebody, divorce. He said, you know how many times we've been mad for 65 years? <laughs> he said, a bunch. But we worked through it. Right? So that issue of putting that back together. So we've, we've gotten to the point where we've destroyed family. That's where we are. But what we see here is what? God has taken woman out of man and the marriage is putting them back together. Notice in verse 23. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones. And flesh of my flesh, she shall be called woman because she was, met, she was taken out of man. You know of another time where somebody has talked about, about of being bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh? Talking about the body of Christ. There's a bunch of stuff there that we've got to pay attention to. But what I want us to make sure that we see, verse 24, Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be what? One flesh. Now, <clears throat> when we look at this, he ends off in verse 25. It says, and they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. All this is what God is speaking to Adam. And it's what? The very word of God. Now, what I want us to look at is keep in mind that first John two and keep in mind, did God give to Adam everything that he needed by what he told him? Yeah. But notice in chapter three, verse one, now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, yea, hath God said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. Satan shows up and what's he do? Very first thing, questions God's word. Really, it's questioning his authority. And what's he, what's he aiming for is what? The word. And he says, yea, hath God what? Said. And the very first thing that he does is he questions God's word. Really, he's questioning God's authority. That's where this starts off. So when somebody comes along and says, you mean you actually believe that Bible? You know the Bible says, and then they'll quote you something that's not Bible, and you're like, okay. But what's the issue? They're trying to create doubt. We are talking about that a minute ago. The very first thing that Satan does here is he, miss, he, he, he purposely quotes God's word wrong and questions it while he does it. And, of course, we know that he does the exact same thing with Jesus Christ in Matthew chapter 4. 
So the, the question would be, one of the first issues that I want us to be able to think about is, how should Eve had responded? She should have been able to say what? God said, we may freely eat of every tree, but this one we're not allowed to eat. That's what should have taken place. But what happened is what? Verse 2, And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. Now we know, if we go back and look at this, what is it that... Oops. What is it that he actually says, verse 16, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, And of every tree of the garden thou mayest, what's that next word? Freely eat. Did she say the word freely? No. Is, there, is that something that's, that's a, a word that means something? You know what that word freely has to do with? You have a choice to do it. And you know what that ends up being? And we've said this before. What Satan does is gets Eve to get rid of grace and replaces it with the law. And you look at that and say, from the very beginning, Satan says, here's this thing that's perfect. I no longer have control over it. I want to gain control back. I want to be like the Most High. I'm going to get control back over the earth. And how am I going to do that? Did he come up with some elaborate plan? He said, all I'm going to do is just get you not to believe the word that was spoken. Notice, she continues, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, notice what God hath said. You know what she's doing here? She says, I'm going to quote what God said. <laughs> How'd that go? Ye shall not eat of it. Neither shall you touch it. Is that what God said? Look back at chapter 2, verse 17. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. Does he say, thou shalt not touch it? No. Back over in chapter 3. You shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest ye die. Is that what God said? Lest ye die. No. Look back in chapter 2, verse 17. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. It's an assurance of death. It's not a, you might, you might not. So what we've seen so far is Satan questions God's word, which leads to what? By the way, you know, when, when we're going through 1 Timothy and, and he says to one of the things he says to avoid is what? Foolish questions? <laughs> There's one. But what happens is he questions God's word. Eve, trying to do what she was supposed to do with God's word, subtracts from it, adds to it, and then waters it down. Should Eve have known what God said? Why should she have known what God said? Because Adam should have told her. You know, everybody's like, oh, it's Eve's fault. No, Adam, Adam didn't convey properly what he was supposed to convey. And we see that. 
But what's interesting is, is Satan didn't go after the one that God created. He went after the one that God made from the one that which he created. It's an interesting thing. Think about those things. So when we look at this verse five or verse verse five, well, verse four, we need to get verse four. And the serpent said unto the woman, ye shall not surely die. You notice he doesn't say thou shalt not lest ye die. He actually denies what God actually said. He, and, and, you know, and you see this, you, we won't go there, but in Matthew chapter four, there's three times that, that, that Christ is tempted. The second one, Satan quotes scripture. The problem is, is he adds to it and he takes from it. And the part that he takes from it is the next verse that talks about his own destruction. Now you stop and think. Is it because he, he, does he know God's word? Yeah. Does he believe that he's going to be destroyed? What the next verse says? No. <laughs> he doesn't think he's going to. He's like, I'm going to get this guy on a cross. I'm going to win and I'm going to be possessor of heaven and earth. He doesn't understand. He knows it. But he doesn't understand it. Because you can't, he's not going to believe it. And that's that issue, right? But as we go through here, notice verse, verse 5. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Now stop there and think about this for a second. Satan says to Eve, God knows something, and he's withholding it from you. I know what God's withholding from you, and if you just knew what I knew, your eyes would be open. And you'll, 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 you'll be like the gods, which are what? The angels, the fallen angels there. He says, I, I can give to you what I've given to them. When, when, he's, when he's tempting Christ, what's he say? Fall down and worship me and I'll give you the glory of all these kingdoms. He's offering Eve a position of rank and authority in his kingdom. Just as he was doing the exact same thing with Christ. He's offering him rank and authority and power in his kingdom. The difference between the two is what? Eve doesn't operate based on the truth, the sound doctrine, and Christ does. So when we look at this, notice, he is selling to Eve the same lie that he sold to the angels. And a third of the angels bought. And he's thinking, well, I'm going to go to this person. I'm going to get her. And we've said it before. The greatest, the greatest evangelist was Satan. He went and converted half the population. And then that half went and converted the other half. You look at verse 6. Notice, and we see these. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that's lust of the flesh. 
And then it was pleasant to the eyes, lust of the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, pride of life. She took of the fruit thereof and did eat. You see the position that she was in? Once she got to the point of he questioned God's word, she's added to it, taken away, watered it down, Satan denied it, said that's not what it's for. You can, you can be just like these people. God's holding something back from you, and I can tell you what it is. Just do what I ask. And what she do? She looks at it, says that would be good for food. It's pleasant to the eyes. I want to be wise. She falls for it. Why? Because she wasn't functioning based on sound doctrine. She was, she was functioning based on what? It's corrupted. It's that corrupted wisdom. We remember we talked about you've got the wisdom that God has and you've got the corrupted wisdom that Satan has. Wisdom, sa wisdom, the wisdom that Satan has was corrupted. That's what he's selling here. She bought it. Now, if that's not bad enough, notice. She took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her and he did eat. He wasn't operating based on sound doctrine either. So when we look at those things, how is it that she should have responded and how is it that Adam should have responded was by what? God's word says we may freely eat and he's given us the choice to do so and he told us not to eat this one and I'm going to not eat it because that's what the word of God says and I by faith believe what he says and I'm going to put that in practice and I'm not going to eat it. But when Christ is tempted his response all three times is what? Scripture. And it's not just that he knew it. He actually believed the verses. You ever stopped and thought about that? When we talk about the faith of Christ, not only are you talking about his, his faithfulness to be trusted, but you're also talking about the fact that he believed the verses. And what's interesting is, is who wrote the verses is the Spirit. And what the Father does is says, when you write that down, I'm going to believe it. And the Son says, I'm also going to believe it. And they glorify the work that the, that the Spirit did by doing so. And you stop and you think about that and say, man, we're going to be a part of that. That's that fellowship of the mystery stuff. Real quick, go to... We won't continue on with that. We'll, we'll bring up some other things. Go over to, to Romans chapter 14. Look at some other stuff with that. But I want us to see some stuff here too. Romans chapter 14. <clears throat> Romans chapter 14. Romans chapter 14. Let's start here in verse 19. Romans chapter 14, verse 19. Let us therefore, based on the things that he said prior to this, let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and things wherewith one may edify another. For meat 
destroy not the work of God. All things indeed are pure, but it is evil for the man who eateth with offense. It is good neither to eat flesh, nor to drink wine, nor to eat or anything thereby, whereby thy brother stumbleth, or is offended, or is made weak. Notice, notice the issue there he has is it's not that eating flesh and all that is bad. He's like, it's bad if it causes somebody else to stumble. If it destroys that edifice that they've built up inside themselves. He starts off that issue in chapter 14 about not, not getting to the point of creating doubtful disputation. Right? Notice here. He says, Hast thou faith? Have it to thyself before God. Happy is he that condemneth not himself in, the, in that thing which he alloweth. And he that doubteth is damned if he eat, because he eateth not of what? Faith. For whatsoever is not of faith is sin. You ever thought about that verse? Have you ever thought about, I mean, we all know the big sins. We all try to avoid them. But he says what? For whatsoever is not of faith is sin. So when we read a verse that's written to us about us and for our building up, if we don't by faith trust it, what is that? You ever thought about that? Whatsoever is not of faith is sin. What he's doing this here is he's dealing with what? Follow the scriptures. Allow them to be the final authority. Trust in them and them alone. If you don't, what is it? It's a sin. Well, praise the Lord, we're forgiven for them. But what do we do? We look at it and say, let's get rid of it and move on. Grace actually allows you to look at life and say, this is something I should no longer do. Galatians chapter 5. <clears throat> Galatians chapter 5. Verse 16. <clears throat> Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. This I say then... Walk in the Spirit. What's that mean? Everybody's got an idea of what, what walking in the Spirit is. Well, that means I'm, I'm walking around and hostile Shondon and all this other stuff or, you know, running aisles or, you know, all that. Walk, walk has to do with what? Your life. Making steady progress by putting one foot in front of the other, walking through life. That's your conversation. And he says what? How are we supposed to do it? In the Spirit. What we talked about before, being filled with the Spirit has to do with what? The Spirit actually filling you with the Scriptures and taking those Scriptures and teaching us, 1 Corinthians 2, teaching us this is how 
you put off and put on. Grace allows you to look at something and say, this is something I shouldn't do. This is something I should put off. And then it says, by the way, here's the thing you're supposed to put on in the place of it. If you walk in the spirit, notice what happens. And you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Walking in the spirit's what? Living by faith. If you don't live by faith, what happens? You're walking in the flesh. And what are you going to produce? Sin. Praise the Lord, you're forgiven. But deal with it. Don't just let it go. Verse 17, for the flesh lusteth, flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these, two, and these are contrary, the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. Does that remind you of Romans chapter 7? Paul says, the stuff that I want to do, I can't do. The stuff that I don't want to do, that's all I'm doing. But what happens is when, he's, when he starts understanding that stuff is he actually has control over that flesh and he figures that out by the time he's writing Romans chapter 8. And the only reason he can do that is because he's not under the law, Romans chapter 7, and he's not under that, that, that rule. And he also knows something about himself because of Romans chapter 6. The identification of who you are in Romans chapter 6 qualifies us to be able to actually do the things that we need to do in Romans chapter 8. And it's talking about your service. And what happens is, is you've got, you've got the spirit that works through your spirit and your soul and is produced over here when we believe. What happens is, notice, but if ye be led of the spirit, you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, and he goes on down through saying, here's what it is. But here's the best part. He gives the list of the stuff that the flesh produces. Then in verse 22, he says what? But the fruit of the Spirit is. And it's you can look at this and say, put this off, put this on. Put this off, put this on. Put this off, put this on. And he gives you a way to do that. By what? By believing the verses. Now, what's interesting, go back to Daniel chapter 1. Daniel chapter 1. <clears throat> Daniel chapter 1. There, there's, there's something interesting in here. Um, and I, I just want to run through some verses to, to think about some stuff. Daniel chapter 1. I start here in verse 6. In Daniel chapter 1, what we have is you've got the nation of Israel. Historically, the times of the Jews is interrupted with the times of the Gentiles politically talking about the fact that you actually have the Jewish folks under Gentile rule, which is against what God wanted to happen, but because of what Israel is doing. And here we have, here we have Daniel Notice in verse 6, Now among these were of the, chi were of the children of, Ju of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, unto whom the prince of the eunuchs gave names. He gave unto Daniel the name Belshazzar, and to Hananiah Shadrach, and to Mishael Meshach, and Azariah of Abednego. What he's doing is what? 
He's changing their identity. To follow after their religious system. But notice, verse 8. I love this part. But Daniel purposed in his heart. Do you know what he said? I trust my God and I trust my God's word that he would not defile himself with the portions of the king meat. That's faith. He chose of his own free will to apply God's word and God's word worked in his life and he said what? I'm not going to partake in the meat and the drink here. He separated himself from that system by faith. Go real quick. Ruth. And if you're not sure where Ruth is, just remember Joshua judges Ruth. And there you go. Ruth chapter 1. This is another one of those you just kind of look and say, man, this is really neat. Ruth chapter 1, verse 17. Notice, where thou diest will I die, and there will I be buried. And the Lord do so to me, and more also, if aught but death part thee and me. When she saw that she was steadfastly minded to go. I like that. That's that same idea as being purposed in his heart. That idea of being steadfast, holding faithful. Notice, when she saw that she was steadfastly minded to go with her, then she left speaking unto her. That issue of, and to me it's interesting too, when she saw that she was steadfastly minded. Well, when, when Eve saw, what'd she do? She wasn't. First Kings chapter 5, Ruth chapter 1, verse 18. First Kings chapter 5. First Kings chapter 5, we've got Solomon and the temple. Notice here in verse 3. Let's just start here in verse 3. This is Solomon to, to Hiram. Notice verse 3. Thou knowest how that David my father could not build an house under the name of the Lord his God for the wars which were about him on every side under the Lord put, until the Lord put them under the soles of his feet. By the way, if you ever want to do a really interesting study, look at footstools. 
And look at what it means to be put under somebody's feet. Let's take a look at that. Verse 4. But now the Lord my God hath given me rest on every side, so that there is neither adversary nor evil occurrent. And behold, I purpose to build an house under the name of the Lord my God, as the Lord spake unto David my father, saying, What's Solomon doing here? He's saying, I purpose to build a house based on what? What David was told by God. What's he doing? He's doing this by faith in trusting what God's word actually says. And there, there's a bunch of other ones that we could go to. But the, the thing that I want us to be able to see, get one more real quick. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. And of course, in First Corinthians chapter seven, there's there 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 you're dealing with with um, some issues with unmarried and things like that. But I want you to notice in verse thirty-seven. You know, I, I deal with kids in high school all the time, and some of the stuff that they do and think, and all this other stuff. And I want you to notice this, and, and hopefully you kind of find some solace in this. Notice in verse thirty-seven. He says, nevertheless, he that standeth steadfastly in his heart. That's the same idea as purposing in his heart. It's the same idea of being, notice, having no necessity, but hath power over his own will. And hath so decreed in his heart that he will keep his virgin doeth well. Are you stopping to think about that? The main issue that I want us to think about there is what? He that standeth steadfast in his heart, having no necessity, but hath power over his own will. You know what that means? You have authority over yourself to do something with the scriptures that God's designed it to do just by simply believing the verses and trusting Holy in them. And then what happens is you can do the putting off and the putting on. But how do you do it is based off of what? Basis is sound doctrine. Now, <clears throat> what happened is Eve didn't function based on the, on the basis of sound doctrine. She, become, she became unthankful, and Adam did too. They become un, unthankful and discontent with who God's made them and the provision that he gave for them. And what it resulted in was a desire-oriented life. To go about doing whatever she wanted to do. Now, those three things produce... A sinful emotional responses. We've talked about them before. It's what? Fear, shame, and rejection. 
Why did they hide? They were afraid. They were ashamed of what they, because they saw stuff. Because remember, at the end of chapter 2, they were both naked and they weren't ashamed. By the way, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15 tells us what? Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. Do you know what sound doctrine produces in you? Unashamedness. Just by knowing who you are. But that produced this. Now, what that produced was blame shifting. We've talked about that. The avoiding of responsibility and legalism. Now, what happens is, most of the time, what we look at is the blame shifting and we say, Let's fix that. But that is a sinful emotional response to these three things, which is a, a, a response to not walking by faith. The real issues are not the blame shifting, the avoiding responsibility, or the legalism. And we spend most of our life fighting with legalistic people about their legalism. That's not the problem. <laughs> that's, that's the result of the result of bad doctrine. So how do we fix the blame shifting, the avoiding responsibility, and the legalism? And how do we fix the shame and the fear and rejection? Because those aren't the problems either. The problem is, it starts off, all of that is a result of what? Not following and functioning based upon sound doctrine. That's what that stuff produces. They're not the issues. These are the results and the defense mechanisms that people have put up in place. All the stuff that we see in our country is a result of not having sound doctrine. Because the church gave up on sound doctrine decades ago. And some people are just now finding out that they gave up on the doctrine decades ago. And so then when they look at the problems, they say, well, we see this in your life. We'll give you a checklist. They're just, they're buying into the defense mechanisms say we'll give you another defense mechanism and they're trying to they're they're not they're creating this they're 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 going after the symptoms not the problem right so when we're looking at this that all stems from not living based on sound doctrine being discontent with what god's made them and having a desire-oriented life. So then the, that begs the question, how do we fix it? So when we look at our life and we see any of those things show up, how do we fix it? The problem is what? Sound doctrine. Get back to sound doctrine. We've moved off sound doctrine. If we're, if we're caught up in fear, how do we fix it? you got to get the doctrine straight. 
And it's not just knowing stuff. It's trusting the stuff you know. How do you get rid of fear? How do you get rid of shame? How do you get rid of rejection? I know who you really are in Christ. Believe it. Trust it. Everybody's talking about mental mental issues and things like that. What's interesting is you've got a group of people that's created mental disabilities and mental disorders to purposely try to fix people to do what they want them to do. Instead of they've replaced the scriptures with a program. We'll just get you on this program. We'll get you on this pill, whatever it is. How do you deal with that stuff is you got to know something about who you are. And the amount of sound doctrine that you have in a group of people, you can deal with that stuff. Now, that's for somebody that's opposing themselves. What does that mean? Well, that's what we'll talk about the next time. But hopefully you kind of see what's going on already. If you're opposing yourself, you're not walking by sound doctrine. We're not walking by faith. So you, you think about those things. We always look at the big sins and say, well, that's, you know, I'm not... I'm not doing that. Really get in to find out what the scripture says about it. Like I said, thankfully we're forgiven, but we can actually deal with that stuff. The scripture allows us to do so. How do we deal with it? Again, today setting up to make sure that we know how to deal with it the next time.